I want to reset the scene of today's gospel for you, uh, help you get in your head the audacity of what was going on. This is shortly after the transfiguration, when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain. He reveals his glory to them. They simply do not understand what they have seen. As he's coming down, he tells, do not tell anyone. He's already predicted two or three times that he's going to suffer. And right here today, he says he's going to, going to be handed over to men. He will be arrested. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And they don't understand what that means. But having followed Jesus for maybe almost three years at this point, they should have known that he was an innocent man. They should have known that he was the Son of God. He was, they should have known everything. And at the same time, they should have known that something was wrong with this picture, that Jesus was going to be crucified. If we remember, you know, Peter himself, when he had one of the predictions, pulls Jesus aside, and God forbid that should never happen to you. And so there they are arguing about who's the greatest disciple. They don't understand what it even means to be the Messiah. How can they understand what it means to be the, a disciple? They had it in their own heads what it meant. And so they're arguing, and each might have had their own reason to claim that they were the, favorite, the, the best, the greatest. And after all, Peter could have said, well, I, you know, when he asked that question, who do people say that I am? I nailed that one. Judas might have been able to say, yeah, but he trusts me with a money purse. Uh, John might have said, yeah, but I think there's some uh, special relationship that I have with the Lord that he's going to do something special for me, naming Mary, giving Mary to his care. Each of them might have, might have said, or James might have said, well, you know, I, I, I think I have a feeling I'm going to be the, the, the first of all, the, all, the, all of us that are martyred. And he would have been right. They all would have had a claim, and yet they did not understand what it meant, and they're arguing. A few years ago, I came across the term, it's all capitals, G-O-A-T, goat. I, what? You know, it used to be an insult to call people dogs and goats. You know, you old goat. That's an insult. But apparently it means now greatest of all time. And there's a pride there that I'm the greatest of all time, whether it's a football team or football player or basketball star or uh, author or whatever it is. We, we take a lot of pride in this, and Jesus would say, no. No, if you want to be my disciple, you must become the last of all to accept even a child. I have to admit, with uh, one of the commentaries that I read about the Texas uh, abortion ban. There was somebody that was very angry. This is going to lead to an increase of Down syndrome children. And the person that responded said, oh, I wish, because they are the best of us. I, every Down, Down syndrome child I've met, and this is not just to, you know, a racist kind of thing or whatever, but it's true that they are the most kind, loving children you could ever meet. To accept a Down syndrome child in the name of Jesus is humbling. And to let that Down syndrome child teach us how to love is extremely humbling. Maybe we can judge how well we are following Jesus Christ by how we accept a Down syndrome child. Or 
even a child in the womb. From that first moment of conception to be protected, to be loved. We see in our day and age those that would seek to destroy, call it, hide it behind the word choice or whatever it is, whatever euphemism they want to use. But I think Jesus would say, no, we need to accept that child. And yet they're arguing who's the greatest. They don't understand. The greatest is the one who serves. Today in this second reading, first the letter of St. James, I, uh, the whole letter is filled with profound wisdom, and I think we should uh, go back and, and read it and read it and read it again, because it is beautiful. But today he asks us, where does all this division come from? Is it not from disordered passions? Well, we don't like that word in our modern culture. So often we have the word uh, disordered when, when we use it in cer certain areas. We get told, well, that's rude. And we reduce the passions, unfortunately, down to sexual passions. And there we talk about disorder. But we have to remember when the church uses that word, it means anything that's out of order. It doesn't mean sinfulness necessarily. It's just out of order that needs to be properly ordered. And we're, if we're all humble enough, we all have some area of disorder in our lives. I, in the confessional, I can hear it, of everyone has a pet sin, a pet capital sin, mortal sin, that they fall into greed or envy or, or lust or gluttony, whatever it is. With some sins, of course, it's very obvious, especially the sin of gluttony sometimes, you can see this person is struggling. It is all different forms of brokenness. And St. James telling us to strive against that disorder. That this is where conflict comes from, is disordered passions. And the apostles today in this gospel reading have that disorder displayed on, put it on full display. That they do not understand, and yet they want to be the greatest. There's something good about that, to want to, be, to want to be a great disciple. There's something beautiful about that. In fact, we should all aspire to that. But not when it's disordered of, well, then I can sit on the throne and rule the nations. Or then I get my way, or then people will look at me, or then whatever it is. We need to fight with every ounce of grace that God gives us every disorder that we have in our hearts, every disorder we have perhaps in our minds. And he tells us here we ask wrongly because we desire to spend it on our passions. To ask rightly is to ask in the spirit of humility. And I think ultimately that's the point Jesus makes in today's gospel passage, though he does not talk about humility, how humbling it is perhaps for the apostles to realize that Jesus takes a child and makes the child the example of a disciple. Whoever accepts a child such as this in my name. Today we come, we ask the Lord for the gift of humility and the humility is not thinking less of ourselves. So often that's what our world tells us. Is it means, uh, you know, woe is me, I'm the worst of all sinners. And, while that may be true, and not necessarily the worst of all sinners, but 
that may be true that we are sinners, humility is always seeing ourselves in the light of truth. Seeing ourselves as God would see us. And so perhaps that's the goal of our lives. To ask God for the gift to see ourselves with truth as he sees us. To love as he loves us. To serve as he served us through Jesus Christ on the cross. To give our lives in service to others. Not focus on whether the greatest or people are watching, but rather knowing that this is our duty, this is what we are called to do. We're not called to be the greatest of all time. We're called to be servants.